This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch Fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. I'm ready to get on Clutch Fans. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. June now and uh, draft and free agency are not that far off, which means there's a lot to talk about today. Unfortunately, uh, David Weiner, aka Bema Thug, will not be joining us today. He will still very much be involved with the podcast and should be in one of our next few uh, installments. You know, as we basically as we dive deeper into free agency and the cap. Uh, instead, joining us today will be Lance Thompson and Andrew Stewart. I have wanted to do more frequent podcasts for Clutch fans, especially with how busy this summer was going to be and have asked Andrew and Lance to help co-host the podcast with us. Uh, sometimes it'll be myself and David like the past, and sometimes it'll be Lance and Andrew. But our goal is to podcast more frequently, to discuss the latest going on with the team, and as you know, we take it farther, uh, hopefully bring on guests for interviews as well. Uh, Lance and Andrew have been doing their own podcast on the Rockets. I thought it was excellent. Um, David and I both thought it was very good. So they ended up being a perfect fit to join our team. Uh, also, you may know Andrew from Yahoo Sports Radio 1560, or as he was better known uh, on there as Intern Andrew. Uh, Lance, Andrew, thank you guys for coming on. Thanks for having us, Dave. Yeah, thanks. Good to be here. You know, today we thought we'd sort of have a roundtable discussion, just the three of us, about the latest to let you guys out there uh, get to know Lance and Andrew. Really, there are two big central stories right now, the pursuit of Dwight Howard and then another big story about the Rockets putting Thomas Robinson on the trade market. What were some of your thoughts when you when you heard that report? Well, my first thought is, what's the market going to be for Thomas Robinson? What what can the Rockets get in return? I, the main reason why Thomas Robinson is in these talks about being traded for Dwight is to clear cap space. So, you know, what kind, what type of deal can the Rockets get? for Thomas Robinson where they don't have to take too much cap back. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of my thing too is uh, what's the market going to be, but also looking at other options where we could cut a little bit. You know, we obviously weren't going to keep Garcia for $6.4 million. Um, he knew that. Uh, Delfino's got a $3 million option and a, you know, a hurt foot. And Houston fans know how to react to hurt foots after Yao Ming. Um, you know, Brooks has a $2.5 million option. Um, Anderson, Smith, and Beverly are all a little bit south of a million. So but there's a lot of non-guaranteed contracts that um, Daryl Morey has to play with, but Thomas Robinson is that big number on the board that we have to get rid of. Now, Dave, do you think that Thomas Robinson for sure will not be a Rocket next season, or is that some, or is there a scenario where you could see the Rockets getting Dwight Howard and Thomas Robinson still being on the team? Yeah, I, I definitely think he's gone. I, um, I don't, as a matter of fact, I don't even think he'll survive the month. Um, I think, I would think by draft night he would probably be traded. The, you know, the way the the cap numbers are coming out. Um, you know, it looks like it's going to be a 58.5 million. At least that's some of the re- reports that are floating around out there as far as where the cap line is. They have to move him if they're going to make it, you know, the full max 
uh, offer that they can to Dwight Howard. They they have to move him. And I think you could talk about whether they needed to move him or not, whether he's um, you know sort of the potential fit here. I think there's reasons to, that you could say he's not. Um, but they have to get cap space, so they do have a bit of a limited market here of, of teams that they can work with. They need to be able to literally trade Thomas Robinson to a team that will absorb him uh, completely and, and sort of send back the Rockets nothing as far as um, you know on their cap right now. And it sounds like they're probably going to be looking for a future pick. Uh, or some type of future asset that doesn't hurt their cap situation now. So I will say just to add to that, that I think the the market is probably a little bit more expanded than I thought. From what I understand, it's about half the teams in the league that can trade him, trade for him before July. Uh, that, in their opinion, is probably going to end up creating a situation where they, they feel the market may go up a little bit for him. But I think given that what they need, uh, which is cap space and, and future assets, it's, it's definitely a limited market. Well, and I think I think the market is helped a little bit by the fact that this draft is not very good. You know, if this were a draft like next year, where you could go out in the first round and and get you a stud, especially in the in the top part of the first round, I think the market would be a little bit more limited. But you know, the specifically like the Raptors pick that we sent to Oklahoma City didn't turn out to be all that great of a pick because of how right. bad this draft is. So that might help Thomas Robinson's stock in terms of teams are maybe more willing to take those flyer picks of the athletes that may or may not pan out. Thomas Robinson's upside is just that high, but he's probably a little bit more consistent than one of those late first flyer picks like, for instance, a Perry Jones. And, and, and that's the thing. Thomas Robinson is one of those guys. He was, he was drafted in the, in the top part of the lottery last year, and he's only played one full NBA season. So he still has some potential. I think there are going to be teams that are interested in him. And, you know, the Rockets just have to convince one team to absorb his contract and take on his potential. And I think Daryl Morey is definitely going to get that done. I think he has a skill, and that's a rebounding uh, energy he can get out and run. So in some ways, you would think he would fit with this team. Uh, I certainly did when they acquired him. But in so many other ways, he, he's just a raw player. I think he, he has some developing to do. I, I think it, the Rockets, they might be willing to put in that time with him, but I think uh, they're probably going to try to find a, a taker. And, and to what Lance was saying a little bit as well about this draft, I mean, I think if they were to look for a pick in this draft, I mean, they might be able to get up as high as 10 or, or in that mm-hmm. range. Um, but because of, the, of their, you know, what they need is the cap room that they probably will not be looking at a first round pick. I mean, even even with what Thomas Robinson did this year, I, you know, he bounced around from Sacramento to Houston. If he were to go in this draft right now, I mean, I would think he would he would go easily top. He would he would definitely go in the lottery. Yeah, it's it's hard to say, right? I mean, I, I would think so. I mean, certainly considering that last year, which was a pretty decent draft, you thought, you know, he was by many accounts, the consensus number two pick for a while mm-hmm. there. Yep. Um, I don't know how much it hurt him. I mean, I think there is a stigma when you've been, you know, you traded once and now you're being talked about traded again uh, from two different organizations. If you're truly a, uh, you know, elite prospect, I, I don't know if that happens. Well, that may be, that may be looked at a little differently. You look at the two situations that he got traded out of. I think the, the Maloofs were trying to get rid of a lot of assets in Sacramento to maybe make, um, everything a little bit more attractive to a buyer. And now Houston is trying to liquidate assets to attract a guy who's going to come here and, and maybe sign in the offseason in Dwight Howard or Chris Paul. So I think 
he's been dealt uh, two kind of tough situations where those teams have used him as a scapegoat to get rid of contracts, and it's not his fault he got drafted fifth, you know, and had that bigger contract. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, I think if the Rockets felt he was, you know, an elite prospect for their future, I think that they could probably come up with another way. I mean, Terrence Jones, Royce White, uh, Royce White, obviously very difficult to move right now, um, but. Um, but you're right. I mean, the, the, there's two different two situations here that are fairly unique, where he's sort of been the odd guy out for numbers and, and dollars reasons. So, yeah, I mean, that sort of leads into really what uh, has become, you know, the whole reason they're trying to move Thomas Robinson, and that's to, to sign Dwight Howard, which is, you know, I, I got to admit, we, we um, just sort of wrote a story here about, you know, why I think he's a good fit here, and, and why Houston would be a great fit for him. But I've been surprised that there's there's quite a few people that just don't want him here. You know, with Dwight, I feel like nowadays in the NBA, it's a big three. It's not a big two. And if the Rockets were to acquire Dwight Howard, I, I know he's got some questions about is he going to be, you know, is he going to be a nuisance in the locker room? Can he stay healthy? This was probably Dwight's worst year, at least from you know the, the public eye, and he still was third team All NBA. If he were to get, if he were to come to Houston, play up to the potential that we know he can, hopefully, fingers crossed, stay healthy. I think a big three of James Harden, Dwight Howard, and Chandler Parsons—that's that's a big three that can win a championship, in my opinion. At least contend in the West. Yeah, my my question to those people who don't want Dwight Howard is, what what's your brilliant plan B? Uh, I think that. I mean, Chris Paul, obviously, that, that would be great if we could get Chris Paul, but I almost want to say that Chris Paul, if he opts out of L.A. and he leaves there, you're talking about Atlanta and Dallas now being in the mix to get both of those guys. And I think that actually reduces our chances of getting one of those two top-tier free agents. And then you're left with options like um, Josh Smith and Paul Millsap, Al Jefferson. You know, Those are all very, very good players, but – Certainly a step below CP3 and Dwight, who were kind of the 1A and 1B, uh, depending on your, your needs at in this free agent class. Yeah, you know, I feel I, I agree with you guys. I feel that you have to go after Dwight. Um, be, and I understand some of the concerns. I do. I think that, you know, injuries, uh, you know, injuries possibly leading to what looks like a decline from him. Um, certainly he's been very flaky the last year or so. Um, there's some negatives, and it's a risk when you're offering a guy, you know, over twenty million dollars annually, and you've got a guy like Chandler Parsons making nine hundred thousand. I mean, you, you you run into a possible issue there. But I feel like this team, you know, can add offensive players all day. They're not going to make huge quantum leaps forward offensively. They've already had a pretty good offense, or at least for a large stretch of the year, they did. They have to make a, a, a big improvement defensively. You look at the final four teams right now, or, or I should say, what were the final four teams in the NBA? I mean, they were first, second, third, and ninth uh, in defensive ranking, and that ninth team was Miami, which is sort of a, a uniquely uh, special team. Uh, and they were fourth last year in defensive ranking. So you, you really have to have a top defense, in my opinion, to contend year in and year out. Um, and I think Dwight Howard, there's no bigger impact player defensively than him. Um, and, and I know that there's also some, you know, reasons that, that people look at that like, well, 
you've got Omar Ashik. So why would you need to, you know, disrespect Ashik or or spend twenty million dollars for what some people might view as a, a minor upgrade? Yeah, I, I can understand that, but um, I just feel that, that Dwight Howard is a such a special player at that position that you have to do it. It's so hard to put yourself in a position to where the Rockets are now. It's it's so hard. I mean, they're sitting here. They have cap space. They have the superstar to build around in James Harden. They also have assets like Chandler Parsons, you know, who's who's one of those guys that could blossom into a borderline all-star. You know, they're in a good position. And if you're in this position, you can't just sit on it. You have to act. And And the guy out there right now is Dwight Howard. He can fit this team. But as far as fits go... If the Rockets were to get Dwight Howard, could him and Omar Oshik coexist on the same team, or would Omar Oshik eventually probably be shipped, whether it be in this offseason or at February, if they were to get Dwight Howard? I, I think they can coexist. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it's a great – would be a great fit long term, um, but it might be a good thing to have those two defensive presences – play a little bit together, um, you know, and, and we just fell off so bad last year whenever Asha came out of the game. And what Howard would allow McHale to do is never have that basically lapse in a defensive presence. Um, Oshik played 30 minutes a game last year. Howard averaged 35 minutes a game. So you're talking about for them to both keep up those minutes, they would have to play 17 minutes a game together. I think that might be a little high. I mean, if you're looking at all the averages, if they're playing, if they play a game where they play 30 minutes together, I think the Rockets are probably going to win that game only because most of the time our defense will be playing good and our the offense um, will obviously be good enough not to take them both out because neither one of them can you know, hit 15-foot jumpers. But I think... 17 minutes might be a little high. So I guess my question is, how many minutes would they have to play together to where you would – or how many minutes would Oshik have to see on the floor each night for y'all to be able to justify keeping him around uh, through the rest of his contract? Well, I, I personally would feel he would need to play at least 25, if not you know, 25 to 30 minutes um, because he's an effective player. Because I feel like if certainly on this team he could play 20 to 25 minutes – uh, behind Dwight Howard and and uh, you know occasionally with him, um, but you're not maximizing his value because I feel like he's already proven himself to be a capable, if not top, center in the league. I mean, for a center, all you have to do is is show that you can uh, be a very good rebounder and uh, you know a defensive presence. And you know he led the league in total rebounds. He was third in rebounds per game. Um, this is a guy who needs to be starting somewhere. So the Rockets could take it as a, as a luxury and, and, and play him uh, you know, behind Howard and occasionally with him, that you'd have a top defense at all times. But I feel like event, it, it's just a short-term solution. Eventually they would have to move him. Exactly. And you, and you look at Oshik right now. Is his stock ever going to be higher than it is right now? I mean, his first year getting you know good minutes, he averages a double-double. He plays in every single game, and like like Dave, like you alluded to, he was he was very good on defense. I mean, I, Lance said it too. Whenever whenever Oshik left the court, the Rockets' defense went down significantly. So my thing is, if Oshik's stock is as high as it can get right now, and you have Dwight Howard, it might be in their best interest to try to move him. 
as far as the Rockets are concerned, specifically for a, a power forward, because I think that's the one position to where you can look at and say, okay, they can still upgrade there even with Dwight. Yeah, and and I, I just I'm I'm kind of curious. I, I think it'll it would almost I agree with you in that his stock's not going to get any higher because his minutes are probably going to decrease. But I think it's almost worth the experiment just to see how good we can be defensively with him. Um, it, it would be interesting to see how Parsons, Lynn, and Harden would have to maybe change their game a little bit because they're such slashers. And when you have two guys in there who, like I said, can't hit the jumper um, or, or that's not their game, then you have two guys that are kind of clogging up the lane, getting in their way a little bit. And that, that might, if, if you're not in your pick-and-roll offense, it might kind of hinder their game a little bit. And again, we're we're talking about Dwight Howard signing with the Rockets, which is still probably a long shot. You gotta love the signs, the things that are happening. Uh, more optimism than than the first two pursuits of Dwight Howard, certainly. Um, but it is, I think, still a long shot. But if you do land Dwight Howard, I mean, Omer Ashik is going to have great trade value, as Andrew had mentioned, and you you're going to have. Um, you're going to be ready to start contending, and you're going to have a basically what you can, could consider a hole at power forward. I mean, you're going to have uh, Motiunis, Jones, and Royce White, and I say that with a chuckle. But hmm. you're, you're going to have those guys, you know, possibly taking a leap forward this off season. But it's not super likely that they'll be ready to start and you know have big minutes. I should throw Greg Smith in there as well. So I think that, that that's a definite position of, that they could upgrade there with Omar Ashik, who should have very good trade value. I think it's something they would have to look at. In, in that column I uh, wrote, I threw out, you know, just as an example, uh, Boston. I think you will look at, uh, with Kevin Garnett, you'll look at situations where teams are going to be in transition. And that's probably, I'd, I'd say the Boston Celtics right now are probably the one team that uh, the Rockets will probably eye to say, is this team going to shift? Uh, you know, gears. Are they going to go in a different direction? And um, there's a handful of players there that are interesting to any team that's ready to contend. You know, it's interesting. You bring up Kevin Garnett. He's one of the few players in the league that has a no trade clause. Yes. But, it, you know, he has a very close relationship with Kevin McHale. He still wants to win a championship. He's one of the most competitive players in the league. He he would have a hard time turning down this situation in Houston, playing with Dwight, playing with Parsons, Lynn, Harden, all those guys. I, I think that it's a very interesting scenario, and I think it's one that, that really benefits both teams. I think Oshik would fit in very well with Boston, and I think Kevin Garnett, you know, the Rockets, if they get Howard, they're going to be in a win-now mode. And Kevin Garnett's one of those guys that in, in his point in, in his career, he's in a win-now mode. So I think I think it could fit. It's a very interesting uh uh, scenario, though, very interesting. Yeah, if, if you're looking at veteran power forwards, I think um, Pau Gasol's name needs to be thrown in there, not necessarily if the Rockets were able to land Dwight Howard, but what happens if uh, Daryl Morey isn't able to swing that deal or Dwight Howard just says, no, I, I, I can get that fifth year in L.A., and that's what I want to go do. Pau Gasol's contract may be one that um, – L.A. wants to move. He's due $19 million next year. It's an expiring deal, but with Kobe due $31 million, they're going to be something like $80 million in luxury tax, which they can either decide to amnesty Pau Gasol or they can trade him. In, in either case, Rockets could be suitors. Um, Pau would be a really, really good fit alongside Ashik and provide some contrast for a guy who can hit some outside jumpers. And then also 
come in and play some center when Oshik comes out and be a little bit better of a defensive presence. Exactly, and I think it's well documented that Daryl Morey is at least – I mean at least a couple years ago he was very intrigued with Pau Gasol, enough so that you know he actually find, he actually made the deal before it was vetoed. Uh, I think Daryl Morey would have a lot of interest in uh, Pau Gasol, whether it be through you know if he gets amnestied or trade. Yeah, the big wild card in that is, is David Stern crazy about Pau Gasol coming to Houston? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it might be after he retires possibly. But no, I I think, you know, both of those guys, uh, you know, first on KG, I mean, age is obviously a huge issue and there's so many, uh, you know, hurdles you'd have to jump through. You know, Boston would have to sort of make that move. And, you know, as you mentioned, uh, KG would have to waive his no trade clause. But you you look at that and, and you say to yourself, hey, you got two years with him. Um, he is a guy who can slide over and play backup center. Um, he's got range uh, as a power forward. I mean, it's an, it's an interesting fit. That's all it is. I'm not saying it's, I'm not highly endorsing that move. I just think that that's the type of move that could happen. And as far as Powell, you'd have to think the Rockets would consider if they do fall short on Howard, just simply because of the nature of his contract. One, one year left, they can, they can sort of revisit this, uh, cap room scenario next year. But I still tend to think that if they fall short on Howard, They'll use that enormous cap room in multiple – that they won't necessarily jump on somebody, but they'll use it in multiple trades. I think Josh Smith is one guy I think they maybe would do it uh, do it for in a plan B scenario, but I think that they'll probably uh, look to make trades like they did in the past. Yeah, Josh Josh Smith is interesting. I, he, he's a name that's been thrown around you know, for, for a while now, especially you know, from Rockets fans. I, I on paper, Josh Smith is a good fit for the Rockets. You know, he can run. This team likes to run. For a, for the four position, he's one of the better, if not the best, perimeter defenders in the league. Um, he does at time. You know, he, he's kind of been known as to be a spaz. But you know, you have Kevin McHale, who's widely regarded as one of the best low post coaches in the league. You know, I, I'm I'm optimistic from a standpoint if they were to get Josh Smith at Dwight or that. Kevin McHale would be able to kind of calm him down and really get the most out of his game because he is athletic. And like I said, on paper, he does fit this Rockets team and he fits a position of need. I think it's cost for me. You know, I'm not a huge fan, but it's just mainly comes down to cost. Oh, I, I was going to say the same thing. I, I don't know that I would want to give uh, Josh Smith that max deal. Uh, I know Andrew's made this point to me before is that, you know, whoever you make the max deal with, you're in bed with them for four or five years. And if that guy isn't a good fit, if that guy doesn't turn out to be the guy, then you're in trouble for that four or five years. And and I think that's what people are sort of having trouble with Dwight Howard is they're looking at a lot of these negatives and saying, man, if, if he turns into a Dwight mirror, so to speak, then we've just blown all this good grace with all the young assets, with all the good cap space. Yeah, and I alluded to it earlier with my opinion on the NBA now. You have to win with a big three. If Josh Smith is your number two, I don't think Chandler Parsons can be your number three and you win a championship. Now, if Dwight Howard's your number two, I think Chandler Parsons can be your third guy and win a championship. So I think if you get Josh Smith, I think it's it's an upgrade. I think you win more games than you win the year before, but I don't think it gets you – uh, to where the Rockets eventually want to be, and that's uh, in contention in the West. I just I don't see it with Josh Smith and cost. Just like Dave alluded to, cost is big for me too. What what is what is Josh Smith going to cost? 
Yeah, I think you look at him and probably maybe Andrew Bynum, as, as crazy as that sounds. The Rockets will at least look at that as in, you know, what's it cost? Everything boils down to value for the Rockets. So I, you know, I think that they, they probably would be attracted to Josh Smith because defensively he does have a lot of pluses. But I, I've always felt that Josh Smith, Paul Millsap, those kind of guys, when, when they were talked about being traded for at the past trade deadline, that you're going to have to then re-sign them. And it's just once you do that, you know, you look at a situation like Chicago where they, you know, inked Carlos Boozer to a max deal and uh, were, have been handcuffed in a lot of ways. I mean, they're facing, basically up against a hard cap right now. You want to make sure that your max guys are are elite players or well worth that money, and so I, I just it, it all comes down to money for me as far as Josh Smith's concerned. Yeah, and it, it seems like no matter what scenario we're talking about here, whether whether the Rockets end up getting Dwight Howard, whether Houston ends up having to go with one of these Plan Bs, there's a lot of Rockets that are in uniform right now that are going to have to have some big off seasons. Um, you know, Monte Yunus and Jones in particular, um, and Greg Smith at the power four position jump right out. I, I think Lynn has to have a big off season too. I think that he's, he's made some big steps. I think he's a, a better basket, as crazy as it sounds, I think he's a better basketball player than when he was in New York. You know, he obviously was, he obviously during Lynn's sanity, thought that it was a video game and he could just do whatever he wanted and that was that was great but I think he developed much better along the season and got more under control yeah you know as far as Lynn's concerned I I mean I'm honestly torn on him I I I think anyone who tells you for sure he's this player is 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 not 100% sure because you look at his season; it was so up and down. I mean, he'll have he scored 38 points. He'll come out and get two or four points and have an ugly shooting night. But what happened at the end of the year was both encouraging and discouraging. What you saw the last 30 to 40 games of the year, he shot 40% from three-point range. So that's encouraging because that's that's been a weakness of his game. That showed growth and development. But it does concern me about Jeremy that, you know, through no fault of his own, he did miss uh, the playoffs again as he did the year before, didn't gain the experience. I don't look at Jeremy Lin as a guy who's uh, so young that he's going to develop. I look at him as a guy who's so inexperienced that he can then develop, and he didn't gain uh, the valuable experience that he needed in this playoff series. Yeah, my biggest thing about Jeremy Lin is something you just alluded to. It's it's consistency. He has to get consistent. I felt like at times he showed flashes. Like you said, he, he could score 38 one night and then score four the next. If the Rockets are to get one, Dwight Howard, it, it he we don't need that from him. We just need him to take a step back. He has to find his role, and in finding his role, he has. I think it's going to come that he will be more consistent. But consistency for me with Jeremy Lin is the biggest thing. He has to be more consistent. Has to be. I think. I think Monte Yunus ends up being kind of an interesting case. Whether whether Dwight Howard gets signed here or not, um, Monte Yunus kind of presents some contrast to Oshik. And a Dwight Howard in that he can knock down those open jumpers. He can kind of spread the floor a little bit. Whereas, uh, as I alluded to earlier, Dwight Howard and Ashik playing together kind of clogs the lane a little bit. So if Monte Yunus can have a big offseason, get more consistent, you know, um, he's also one, uh, like Josh Smith, that 
you can kind of make the case that he's a spaz at times, and that, that that's because he's a little young and um, just moving to the NBA was a big jump. But I think he needs to have needs to have a big offseason. Yeah, he's a guy who more than anything needs to get stronger in his base. He is extremely skilled around the basket. I think as far as his outside jumper, uh, it's I don't want to say mediocre. It's a little better. It's than inconsistent. That. Yeah, it's, it's inconsistent. inconsistent. You don't look at him as a guy who's a you know a elite range. He can shoot it. Uh, same thing with Terrence Jones. He can shoot it, but doesn't have elite range. Um, but he has excellent post moves. I mean, he's very skilled around the basket with both hands. Uh, good footwork. Um, he just is getting pushed around, and defensively, especially, he's just he's just sort of lost out there. So uh, he has some work to do. But more than anything, the biggest thing that he could do is is really get stronger in his base. Yeah, there were times where you watched Demo and you said to yourself, "Wow, he is going to be a player." And then there were also times where you looked out there and said, "How is he still on the court right now? Like, get him to the bench." A lot of that has to do with his youth. But like you just said. The main thing is he has to get stronger. You know, when he first got to Houston, he, you know, he had that press conference and people were asking him, you know, you're kind of you're seven feet tall and, you know, you're kind of, kind of a little thin, you know, you're 220 pounds and, you know, he, he dropped the line, catch me if you can. I think, I think he underestimated, you know, the physicality of the NBA game. And that's something that is only going to come with time, time and experience. The more he's on the court, the, you know, the more acclimated he's going to get to the NBA game. But, you know, he is, he's, he is interesting because he does have the ability ability to get to step out and hit that three-point shot and he's a guy that could play alongside a Dwight Howard he would compliment him very well but he has to get stronger and he has to get acclimated to the NBA game what about a guy like Chandler Parsons who who obviously took a big step up from year one to year two how big of a step up can he can he realistically take now from year two to year three? Can you reasonably expect that big of a step up again? And, and, and it kind of plays into the debate of where does Chandler Parsons' ceiling end up? Well, I, I think what we saw from him uh, in the playoff series, I think it opened my eyes a little bit that, hey, his ceiling's a little higher than I gave him credit for because I felt like Chandler Parsons – uh, certainly going into this coming season was was at or or near his ceiling as a player. I don't think he's a guy you hand the ball to to create his own offense and, and make things happen. I, I, he can do some of that, but I still don't think that's what he is. I think he's a better defensive player than he showed this last year, but offensively he he took a big step forward. He, he showed Leaps better range. Bounds. Yeah, he showed better range from outside. I think at one point in the year he was shooting 40% or certainly in the 39% um, range. So if you've got a guy who's 6'10", who can defend, who can who can take the best player that you're facing that night and defend that guy and knock down 40% from three-point range, score around the basket drive, I mean, that's a very good player. you got probably one of the best bargains in the league uh, on that contract. And uh, I think the Rockets – probably feel like he's part of their core, whereas before he was probably going to be a trade piece. You'll be hard-pressed to find a better contract, maybe in all of sports, than Chandler Parsons. I mean, he is he is an absolute bargain. I think the thing I like most about Chandler Parsons is his ability to defend, but he could he can defend multiple positions. I mean, he can defend really the one through four, I mean, depending on who that four is. He's, he's a really unique player. I agree with you. I think his defense did take a step back this season, 
but he more than made up for it on the offensive end. I think his offensive game improved leaps and bounds. And if he can just improve just a little bit on either offense or defense, he's he can be one of those guys that can be you know, a borderline all star. I'm not going to say he's a future all star, but he's one of those those fringe guys that you know is, is kind of talked about, but you know maybe really never gets it. And that's fine. That's perfectly fine. I said it before. Depending on who your second superstar is or your second guy, Chandler Parsons can be the third guy, and you can contend and hopefully possibly win a championship. Yeah, and I think the Rockets' team defense suffered a little bit, um, just maybe because of the overall pace that they played at. I I would be interested to see a stat of year in and year out where the top five in pace end up in overall team defense. I think that played a big factor, and and we just at the power forward position just had – whole bunch of trouble and the point guard position defending um you know how much of that will improve this this next year um especially if we get the likes of uh dwight howard um but i'm interested to see like andrew said a guy that can defend a lot of positions is very very valuable a guy we haven't talked about maybe the most important piece to this current rockets team is james harden i think james harden i think he is everything rockets fans wanted and more um, the big question coming into the season was, can he be the guy? You know, he played, he played third fiddle to Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant in Oklahoma City. He was the sixth man of the year, but could he take that sixth man of the year and parlay that into being the guy? I think he showed he absolutely could. I know he, he kind of fell off at the end of the season. I think a lot of that had to do with fatigue. I think more importantly in the Oklahoma City series, I think it had to do with. Fatigue, the emotion of playing your old team on top of, you know, what team knows James Harden better than Oklahoma City? I think all that played into his struggles against, you know, against the Thunder. But, I mean, he even showed some time in games in that series, he he can step up and be that superstar. I look for James Harden to only get better from here on out, and I think that he is going to cement himself as one of the top seven, five players in this league for years to come. Yeah, I think the only thing that concerned me was that he shot under 40% from inside the arc the final 20 or so games. Um, a lot of that could be chalked up to fatigue, and um, so not terribly concerned about that. I, I thought there were some, some bad tendencies there, but I think I, I came away from the series on James Harden and thinking he needs some help. I mean, the Rockets as a team are probably about um, – you know, they got a good measuring stick. They are probably about as good or a hair below Oklahoma City when they don't have Russell Westbrook. So it kind of, mm-hmm. you know, it it kind of lets you know, you know, this team needs to add pieces to the roster. It was a good gauge, yeah, to say that yes, the Rockets are one kind of one player away. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Royce, uh, Royce White, where do y'all see him ending up? Um, do you think he makes any strides in the offseason to get back on a roster? It's 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 so hard to tell with Royce. It's so hard to tell. I mean, he wants to be. Uh, he has to get his head straight. He, I mean, and, and that, and I say that with. He has to look at himself and say, okay, if I really want to be, you know the spokesperson for mental health, the best thing that I can do is go out there and be successful, work hard, get in shape, make the roster contribute. 
you know, if he keeps going on the path he's on, there's no way the Rockets are going to pick up his contract. There's no way. So, I mean, unless something drastically changes with Royce's attitude, I I think he's going to fade into being completely irrelevant, and he will not be on the Rockets roster for too long, no. too much longer. Yeah, he's. He, I, I think he's done. I mean, you know, there's always that possibility that he completely changes his mindset and and it shows that potential that he has. I think there's zero chance. You can never count on him, ever. I mean, I think this season proved that you, even if he comes back and shows all of these this promise, you, you just can't count on him. And I and I look at the fact how he finished last year, never mind how long it took him to get going, to just get over to McAllen, but how he finished. He, he, he didn't play in the playoffs for the D-League. And then more importantly... I never saw him at the Toyota Center. He was he was not working out with any with the team or working out on his own with with uh, training staff. I mean, he w- he was working his fingers on Twitter. That's what he was doing. Yeah, he he was he was yeah. done. I mean, he was checked out. And I think I think it's just a countdown until you know October when they don't pick up his option if they don't trade him this this uh, off season. But I think the Rockets have done the smart thing as as. I guess as smart as they can, you know, can be in this situation is that they didn't just, you know, give him the, the buyout money um, and just let him go. They they are saying, hey, if you're going to play in this league, you're going to do it here. And if you know you're going to sit home and pout, he'll be out of this league, and and the money will eventually run out. Yeah, as, as far as not counting on him, you, you know, you think back to Steve Francis when he had his migraine issues, and you just you just never felt like you know going into the game time, you just felt like, oh gosh, I hope I hope. Stevie Franchise doesn't run into a migraine problem right before the game. And you think Royce White has got to be a thousand times worse than that. You know, if he makes his way onto a roster, all of a sudden you're thinking about, okay, we've got three straight road games coming up. How, how is our lineup going to have to change now? Yeah, I would I would almost be worried that he comes to the Rockets, shows that he can be a contributor, becomes, you know, a part of, you know, I won't say the core, but, you know, he can be a really solid contributor, and you can't count on him. You know, he, he can't make this road trip, you know, and this is – he can't make the West Coast swing. It's like, you know, you, if you can never rely on him, it doesn't matter how good he gets because, you know, you're just going to be setting yourself up for disaster in my opinion. Yeah, and I I felt it was going to be practically impossible to deal him, but I, David Weiner um, has done a great job. Always sort of saying, "Hey, you can trade him. You can offer up to three million dollars in cash uh, in a trade maximum in in one year's span." You know, he has one point seven million left on his contract. I mean, you could pay somebody to take him if they're willing to to put him into their cap room. Somebody who has extra cap room. So I, I think it's. I think we will see him, if not dealt this offseason, then dealt by uh, the February tra- trade deadline. But, but I mean, it's just it's a shame how it turned out. But I, I just I think it, I think it's over. I mean, I just don't think there's anything there. He has to change his attitude. I mean, you could talk about getting in shape, fitting the team, whatnot. He has to change his attitude. If he doesn't change his attitude, then he can never be relied on. If you can't rely on him, then he's completely useless, in my opinion. Yeah. In, in in wrapping up here, do you all have any specific NBA final predictions? I think it's going to be a good series. Uh, I, I think that the time off obviously is going to help the Spurs. You know, they've, they've had almost a week off now. I'm going to predict, without going too far, I'm going to predict uh, Miami in seven. 
Yeah, you know, I, I'm hopeful San Antonio wins. I'd like to see San Antonio win so that when the Rockets eventually beat the Heat, that they'll be able to say, hey, every Texas team has done that. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I like where you went there. I like that. Right. But I, I am fearful that it, that it will be Miami. I, I think um, San Antonio is an excellent team. I think I could see them pulling it out, but I still think LeBron is just so good um that that they'll win this so i'm I'm, i'll probably say the same miami and seven yeah i'll agree i'm gonna say miami and six or seven i just i feel like with the way the finals is structured that two three two i just i can't see the spurs winning in miami in game six or seven to, to take the series so that means that they have to win four of the first five games and i think that's just a really daunting task we got the draft coming up here at the end of the month. We'll, we'll probably tackle that here in an upcoming podcast. Um, but thanks again for joining me, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Thanks for having Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, David.